Amen. Amen. We're going to be in uh, St. John chapter 16, starting in verse 1 uh, tonight. Uh, if I get somebody to read uh, the first four verses for me, please. These things have I spoken unto you, that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. And these things will they do unto you, because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things have I told you, that when the time shall come, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. Okay. Uh, when you when you look at these scriptures, and we're getting into this uh, where Jesus is is teaching them these things, and, and I want to remind you once again that uh, they're probably in the Garden of Gethsemane already. They've already left the upper room, uh, so they he has not been arrested yet. Judas Iscariot is out uh, gathering up the mob to come and. Uh, we're going to lay a kiss on him and betray Christ. And this is all happening in, in the midst of all this. And Christ knows it's coming, but the disciples do, do not know that it's coming. Even though he had already told them at the table that there was one that was fixing to betray him, uh, they still didn't get it. And uh, so he, he, he understands the rejection that he's experienced, Jesus has. And, and once again, who is Jesus suffering rejection from? The religious people. The religious leaders of that day who did not want to believe in him, okay? They wanted to have to remain in power and they did not believe in him. They didn't believe he was the Christ. And so knowing this, he knows that uh, that these disciples are going to suffer the same persecution. But so far they haven't been worried a whole lot about it. Although uh, they had made a remark uh, when he went to Ghost went back to Jerusalem even this time that let's go with him so we can die with him. You know, they, they, they talked like that. You know, I think they talked trash even back then. You know, we make remarks like that sometimes, don't we? And, and really not even really meaning things sometimes that we say. Uh, but uh, they, they had made this remark. And so Jesus reminds them in verse 1, these things I have spoken unto you that you should not be offended. Okay, that they should not be surprised when these things come to pass that he's telling them about. Now, right before that, in verse 26 of chapter 15, he had reminded them of the Comforter again, the Holy Spirit, uh, that I will send to you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceeded from the Father. He shall testify of me, and you shall bear witnesses because you have been with me from the beginning. And so this, he, this led right back into what he's wanting to tell them after he reminded them that the comforter was going to come, he, he, he's telling them now, he said, I, I'm going to tell you these things so you won't be offended by them when they happen. And, then, and he goes into a list of things that's going to happen to them uh, after he's gone. And at this point, they still don't realize Jesus is fixing to leave. Okay? And he's going to tell them here again in just a minute. But he said, uh, look at the things. He said, they said uh, they will put you out of synagogues uh, yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think he does God a service. Now, that shows you that, no, that, that just because a person is religious, just because a person says, I believe in God, that does not mean that they're saved people. Amen? Amen. 
as a matter of fact, these people were so misguided that, uh, that uh, and you know, you, you, you have to look at it from two viewpoints. You look at it from our viewpoint, you say, well, how could they be so dumb that they couldn't see? But when you see God's plan of salvation that was coming, he used these people to accomplish that plan. Did he make them that way? No. They made themselves that way. What made them that way? What caused them to get it so wrong? Tradition. Tradition. Their own will. But the main thing is misinterpretation of the Scripture, the Word of God. They saw what they wanted to see and ignored the rest. Hey, that's going on big time today. Mm -hmm. Amen? And so we have a lot of people who live religiously because they believe what they believe and they ignore the rest. We, we, we're not allowed to do that, y'all. We gotta see it all. We gotta read it all. We got to understand it all, and we gotta try our best to live it all. And so that's a, we don't have an excuse not to do that. And so- We already criticized the synagogues during the COVID. Yeah, yeah. Seven weeks of shutdown, they yeah. criticized the churches. Yes, sir, very slightly they did, but they did put us out, didn't they? And, and, he, and, and then he said that, uh, that it's going to come a time when anybody kills you, they're going to say they did it for the glory of God. They do it for God's service. And you, we may see that before it's over with. And uh, so uh, I hope we don't have to see it in our lifetime. I hope our kids don't have to see it. I hope the Lord just comes back before all that happens. But uh, Jesus is warning them because it is going to happen to these people. It is going to happen to these people, okay? Those mobs that kill these people are religious people. Remember when they stoned Stephen, who he was talking to and what he was talking to them about? He was talking to, to uh, people of the Jewish religion that, that, that didn't like what he said about them killing Christ, uh, that they had killed the Messiah, and they stoned him for that. And they killed him, and they did think, remember the Apostle Paul? The Apostle Paul, they threw their coats at his feet when they killed Stephen, remember that? And he, was, he left to go to, uh, to Damascus with uh, threatening letters so he could imprison or kill. He didn't care. He didn't care whether he killed him or imprisoned him. He didn't care. And because he was doing a righteous work for God. Now, there's been a lot of righteous work done for God in our history and probably some going on right now that's not of God. That's right. And that's why you have to warn people you don't do things for God. You do what God tells you and shows you to do. There's a difference, okay? You know, have you ever had anybody, uh, you know, try to be nice to you and, and uh, they'll fix you a glass of something and bring it to you and just trying to be nice to you and you look at it, I don't even like that. And, and, and so uh, that's the way people serve God sometimes. They, they, don't, they don't ask people what they want or they don't, uh, they don't ask God what they, he wants them to do. They just do things for God in the name of righteousness, but it's their own. It's not from God. And so that's what these people, that's what the Apostle Paul was doing. He, was, he had a righteous cause. He had been taught that. He received that. He believed that. But let me tell you what, when that man received the Holy Spirit, he, the Bible said he immediately began to preach Jesus Christ. Immediately, it says. And so when he received the Holy Spirit, the Comforter came into him. 
the comforter gave him an understanding of what he already knew, and it changed everything. And so that's uh, Jesus knows these things are coming to pass. He knows these things are coming to these apostles. And he says, and these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. So when you see people doing these type things, they don't know God. And that's Christ's own words. They don't know the Father and they don't know me. Had they known me, they wouldn't have killed me. I mean, he, he's not going to say that right now. But they would believe on him if they... If they they don't believe he's who he is, and nor do they believe the Father. Okay, and so he says that's that's uh, they don't know the Father. No, they don't know me, and that's what they do. In other words, you cannot serve God carnally. The Bible's plain on that. We cannot serve God in the flesh. We must serve Him in the spirit. That's why Jesus said, "God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth." We can't worship Him to, to, to try to worship God in the flesh. God will not receive that worship, the fleshly worship. He's not interested in that. He, he don't want us serving Him in the flesh. He wants us serving Him in the Spirit. Amen? And He, and he says to be carnally minded is to be at enmity or against God. And so that's what flesh is, is carnality. And so that's what the Scripture teaches us here. And, and he says, uh, and they, they do this because they don't know the Father. Now, once they know the Father, they believe in the Son and they're filled with the Spirit, everything changes. Their whole outlook changes. Their perception changes. Their understanding changes because the Comforter has come to do that for them. Okay? It's, it's very important. Uh, and, and that's why I tell everybody all the time, if you ain't got the Holy Ghost, you ain't saved. You don't have what you need. You, you're not saved simple. Amen? And so uh, he said uh, in verse 4, but these things have I told you that when the, the time shall come, you may remember. Okay? Now what did he say earlier that the, the comforter was going to help him do? Remember his words. Okay? And so he says here, the time shall come that you may remember that I told you of them and these things I said unto you at the beginning because I was with you. Okay? And so he was with them. He told them of the beginning, at the beginning, and they just can't understand what he's saying. Why? Because they have the Judaism mindset that he's going to become the king, wear a crown, get on a horse, get a sword, and he's going to fight and lead an army and they're going to conquer Rome. That's the these guys are still thinking that. Amen. And it's hard for us to grasp that they're still thinking this at this time. Okay? I mean, this is the, this is the night he's going to get arrested and die. And they still believe that. As a matter of fact, if you remember, and we said this before, when, when he went to the point of, of ascension, they asked him again. Right before he ascended up into glory. You know why? Because they didn't have the comforter in them yet. Okay? Any questions about any of this? I've got a question, maybe not necessarily about this, though. In our, in our culture today, a lot of us who's out there in the workforce, working five, six days a week, sometimes seven, maybe have, we have church usually Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night. What, was there, was there a lifestyle revolve around just like what our lifestyle is? 
or I was thinking there was a verse that talked about daily in the temple in the synagogues they cease not to teach and to preach Jesus. So did all this here stuff going on on a day by day basis? Well, you got it, it did in their time. In the days of the apostles, they quit working. They quit their jobs. Now, every once in a while, when they would get befuddled and muddled up and, and want to get away, they would go back and start fishing again and start doing those things. But at this point, uh, after they after they received the Holy Spirit, their work became strictly the work of Christ and the work of God. And they went into the synagogue daily. Daily, it says. Now, they, they had their worship service on the Sabbath day, the Saturday, is when they met. But, but there were people in the synagogue every day. There was always people in and out of the synagogue all the time. Was those temples, the synagogues, open up to the public? All the it, was, public? it was open up to the public, but at this time, in Herod's temple, they had built courts, outer courts. And they had the, the, a porch they called Solomon's porch. And, and, and uh, people would gather, when they gathered up daily like that, they would go to Solomon's porch. They wouldn't necessarily go, they didn't go into the temple per se, but they, they had a separation. And Solomon's porch was, was inhabited by Jewish people only. And they had another court next to that they called the court of the Gentiles. And the, the Gentile people that wanted to come in could actually hear uh, from that porch what was being said and don't ask me how but they could and and so they had uh, they had a court for women they had a court for jewish men they had a court for the gentile people they had a court for everybody they didn't stay in the same place all the time and then the sanhedrin the high muckety mucks they had their own special place inside herod's temple and, and uh, that's where people would come into them and ask advice and ask for, they had the scribes that they would ask for spiritual things and where to find it in the, in the, uh, uh, in the, in the law and all that, and, and in the prophets. They kept records of all that stuff. So it was, a, it was a, a nice, organized thing, but it was all separated that way. Yeah. And so... How they, how they lived and existed and had... had Food to eat if they was in, you know, doing all this religious stuff all day long every day. Well, it, I'm sure it would be different people every day. It wouldn't be the same people show up every day, except for the beggars. The beggars would probably be the same people every day. But I figure most of those people who came in were Levites um, that that did work around the temple and did things at the temple. Uh, they had uh, they had people that, that made their living at this temple. If you'll remember what Jesus Christ found when he got there, they had people that sold livestock for sacrifices. They had bird cages for, with the, for the turtle doves and all this stuff. They even had the, the meal and everything for the, for the meat offering for the poor people when they came to do offerings. And they also had money changers there. So they had businesses set up, not just around the church, but in the temple. And that's what Christ was so upset about when he came in there and saw that. So it was a, it was a thriving place, and everything. If you remember the temple in Jerusalem, the, the temple was in the very center of the city, and everything else was built around the temple. So the the Levites owned the property around the outer part of the temple, 
And then the businesses was, would get as close as they could. All the markets and all that stuff was as close as they could. So it was a thriving place where even if people were working in the marketplaces and stuff, they could still go through that temple. And people that were buying and selling things could go from one side of town to the other side of town and go through the temple. So it was a, it was a busy, busy place. Okay? That answer your question? Takes me a while to answer your question sometimes, don't you? <laughs> All right. Let's look, uh, let's go ahead and read a little bit more this time. Uh, you know, uh, I made myself a note in my in my journal when uh, when I was writing this. And, uh, uh, and when you look at this time that Jesus is describing as a time that we're also going to see at some point. The, the apostles did see that. Most of them were killed, uh, just like Jesus told them the things that was going to happen. Uh, but I made myself a note uh, when he said, but these things that I have told you, that when the time shall come, you may remember that I told them of you, and these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. And then I made a note on that, and I said, I wrote down, as our country is filled and continues to be filled with people. Now you think about this. This used to be the most God-centered nation in the world, okay? I'm talking about Christianity, most God-centered nation in the world. Uh, Great Britain wanted to take that claim, but the Protestant movement came from that because, well, you see what good Catholics look like. Our president won. The ex-speaker of the house was one. They proclaimed it publicly that that's who they were. And so that's where the Protestant religions came from, out of that. And you can see why now. Because they're, and I'm not saying that all Catholics are like that. I'm just saying a lot of them are. And, and so they came out of that, and, uh, and the Protestant religion came. And so when the Protestant religion came, most of them that came over here we're, we're trying to escape religious persecution of the, the Christians that came over here, that even the Mormons, are quite, that's why they came over here. They were escaping religious persecution, and some of them even found it when they got here. But, but the thing about it is that you're seeing now in this landscape that we live in is there's so many millions of people coming in across the border. They're coming across the border. And, and y'all, they're not just Mexican. Matter of fact, it's unbelievable. Matter of country in the world. Even Chinese. I mean, it's just unbelievable what's coming across there that, that they've got pictures of, they've got videos of these people coming in. They're, they're, they're not all uh, Christian, they're not all Catholic. Most of the Mexican people that come in are devout Catholics, and that's why here in Atlanta, the Catholic Church here has prospered and done very well. And, and you go by there, uh, during Mass, man, that place is wrapped up with people. And that's a good thing. Uh, they're there to pray. Uh, but you see what's, uh, what's happening to our country with all these millions of people that's undocumented that are coming in here, whether it's, there, there's, there's Buddhists, there's Hindu, Hindus, there's, uh, there's Muslims, uh, just, just about every uh, religious group and nationality in the world coming in there, and, and they're... They're, they're, they're gathering. Now think about this. And we have five Muslim uh, people, and maybe more than that now, 
in, in our in our Congress and Senate, in our in our in our Congress. We have that many there because they gathered up in places, and in our nation, when they gather up, they they get uh, a, when they do the census and they they award uh, they get a state representative for ever so many people. Well, these people have been. Uh, gathered enough people in central locations that they have representation in our government now. And they believe what they still believe. They don't believe in Christianity. They don't believe. And so they're there and, and, and they're, listen, they're the ones that making law. Uh, mm -hmm. Well, aren't they the largest religion in, in America now? No. Muslims? Mm -hmm. I thought so. Mm -hmm. Now, I got a statistic in Revelation I want to give you all. That's a, that's a 2020 census uh, that, that I looked up about that, but we're not going to do that here. But what I am saying is that as this country becomes filled with people flowing in illegally and people of the Muslim and other religions are populating large areas and, and uh, our wonderful religious politicians, is what I wrote down there, uh, uh, they cater more and more to them. So you see laws that are not designed to protect Christianity and the church, although we have that constitutional agreement that that, uh, that that we can worship the way we want to. Now that sounds all fine and dandy when we were all mostly Christian people, but now those people that are doing these religions have that same right in the Constitution, okay? And so what we, we're winding up with now is a big giant mixture almost identical to what happened to Israel when they began to let people flood into their countries and one of the Old Testament prophets, and I can't remember which one it is, prophesied that that was one of the curses that, that strangers would take over Israel. And so what they did, they came in with their false religions and they began to intermarry and, and idolatry became rampant in Israel and God destroyed the nation because of that. Put them all, put the ones that he wanted to survive in captivity and so we see that very same thing happening in our nation today. Okay? So Jesus knew these things were coming. He said, you're going to see these type of things coming, and that's what's going to turn the tide against people who are called by Jesus' name. Okay? You're going to become somebody that stands in the way of these people getting what they want. And it's already gotten there. Amen? It's already gotten there to, a, to an extent, but not as bad as it's going to get. Okay, so let's read about the spirit of truth. Somebody read for me verses 5 through 16, please. <clears throat> I'll read it for you. But now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you askest me, whither, go, whither goest thou? But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe it not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more, of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, 
The Spirit of truth is come. He will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine, therefore said I that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you. Okay. And so he, he really, after he tells them these things are coming, he really hunkers down. That's my South Arkansas word. He hunkers down and he really gets into some detail about the spirit of truth. He's already identified the spirit of truth as the Holy Ghost. He's always, he, you know, we, we, we sometimes people get confused. Was it the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit? Yes, it's both. And, and Christ made that plain for us. But as he continues this teaching, I want you to look in verse 5. He said, but now I go my way to him. And, and to him that sent me. And Jesus was a little perplexed. He was a little annoyed at them. Why? They didn't pick up on it. In other words, he said it is something very important. And they didn't hear it. And if they did, they didn't ask him, where are you going? You know, they didn't ask him anything. And he said, he said, you know, and none of you asketh me whether goest thou? And, and so he, he's a little perturbed at them because they, like I said, and, and he don't get real perturbed because he knows they cannot comprehend what he's trying to tell them. He, but it still annoys him a little bit because he's told them so much and he'd think by now, that they would have, would have retained this. Now, you, if you'll remember, Philip did ask him, you know, to show us the Father. He had done told him earlier that he was going to go to the Father, and Philip said, well, show us the Father. Well, he got a little perturbed at Philip. He said, you may not have been with you all this time, and you don't know. You don't know when you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And so Christ was trying to show them the oneness of God, that he was in Christ, and Christ was in the Father, the Father was in Christ, and that the Holy Spirit was the reason they were all one, okay? It's the same reason that we are all one. That's why we have to have the Holy Ghost to be saved. We, 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 Jesus cannot abide in us without the Spirit abiding in us. When the Spirit abides in us, it's when Christ abides in us. When we are led by the Spirit, that's when we follow Jesus. When we walk in the Spirit, we are, we are walking with Jesus. Y'all understand that? Jesus told them, you got to follow me. You've got to follow me. And, the, and he told them, well, I'm going to go to a place, and where I, I go, I'm going to prepare you a place, and I'm going to come get you. You're going to be there with me. Okay? And so that's the whole idea and concept of the Holy Spirit is, is, the, is, the, is the part of God that leads us that way, shows us how to go. Helps us understand what we need to do to get there. That's what the Holy Ghost does. And so, and so Jesus uh, went into great detail and, uh, and 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 to explain this to them. And uh, and he <clears throat> and he knows that that they are deeply troubled by what he has just told them. That he got to go away, and he, they were deeply troubled about what he said in verses one through four. That they're going to get kicked out of the synagogue, and if somebody kills you, they're going to think that he's doing it for God, for the Father. And so they, they've got all this on their mind, and yet Jesus continues teaching them. And what he is about to tell them is, is of the utmost 
importance. Now, why? why? Why can you say that? Look in verse 7. He said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Now, when Jesus says that, he's telling you something you need to know. When you read that in Scripture, or it says, behold, that means see this. Okay? I tell you the truth. That means this is an absolute, undeniable truth through the Word of God that cannot be changed. Okay? So he says, so I tell you the truth. It is expedient. Now, what does that word mean? means to the end. Advantageous. Yeah. And, and so it is, it is, it, it's absolutely necessary to reach the end that God wants it to reach. This must take place. Now that's the truth he's wanting them to know. That is, this is absolutely necessary. This is the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come. Now, what does that tell us? He had to go away. The Comforter had to come and dwell in us. Okay? And that is part of God's plan. And he said, the Comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. So Jesus not only tells them that he and the Father are one and they are equal, now he's, he gives the direction to the Holy Spirit to come, and he cannot do that until he goes away. Okay? Now the Holy Spirit wasn't poured out upon all flesh like it was prophesied in Joel chapter 2 until, until after Jesus had ascended into heaven. Matter of fact, it was a, a, a several days after that uh, before uh, Pentecost uh, was there and the Holy Spirit was poured out. And so uh, he had to go and it, and it had to be done in the right time. And he said, if I depart, I will send him unto you. And, and now look at what he does. This is the part of the Holy Spirit that we don't like. All right, true. And Jesus said, now remember, he starts this off. I tell you a truth. You better listen to this. I got to go so he can come. Okay? And then he says, why? And when he has come, he will do what? Reproof. Oh, there's that old word we can't stand. I don't like reproof, do you? I don't like to be told I'm doing wrong, do you? It means to convict. It means to convict, is exactly right. He is going to convict you. He is going to reprove you. Matter of fact, he's going to fuss at you, gripe at you, complain at you, and make you feel awful. How many of y'all have felt that way? <laughs> If you follow the Holy Spirit, you felt that way before, amen? Because we're still sinners, isn't that right? We still do wrong, and when we do, I, you know, I tell people all the time, they say, well, I, I, I feel so guilty. I say, good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you get where you don't feel guilty, you're in trouble. Exactly. That's what I tell them. When you can sin and it don't bother you anymore, you're in a heap of trouble. Mm -hmm. yep. But as long as you feel that guilt, you, you've got hope because that's the Spirit of God reproving you for what you've done. Amen? So guilt, although it's, it's not a good feeling, it's a good sign. Amen? Because he said, and when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin. So he not only reproves us, he also reproves the world. And we're able, you know, the Bible, you know, there's so many people today 
that they take the scripture, oh, don't you judge me. The Bible tells you don't you judge me. Well, yeah, it tells us to judge, uh, uh, that we're not supposed to judge because we're going to be judged too. But it also tells us that we can judge people according to the word. We just need to have our own noses clean when we do it. Amen? And, and, uh, and so we, we have to be able to do that. And he said, so he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And you see that? He, he includes judgment in that. And then he gives an explanation that's really kind of hard to comprehend when you look at it, of sin because they believe not on me. The, the ultimate sin is to not believe on Jesus Christ. That is the sin unto death that will take people to hell. Amen? That is the sin unto death that will take people to hell. Not believing on Jesus Christ. Amen? It's, it's plain. Jesus said it over and over again. You've got to believe. You've got to believe. You've got to believe. He that believeth on me as the scripture said out of his belly. He, he just went all through the, through the word saying that he had asked people when he'd go to do something. Do you believe? Do you believe? It, that's the ultimate uh, sign from any individual that they have faith in Jesus Christ, that they believe him. Amen. And, and, and I'm going to tell you, my belief in him is what's got me so excited that he could come in any minute. Because of what we're seeing in the world, what we're seeing in the world according to Scripture, and what we're seeing in the, the signs of the world. And, and, and y'all, I don't know about y'all, but uh, you know, since I started studying Revelations, I've been starting to keep up with earthquakes and volcanoes and weird things like that. They're going cuckoo in this world. Morocco just had one to kill. How many people was killed in Morocco? 3,000 last I heard. Yeah. I mean, it's just, <coughs> it's going on everywhere. It's going on all over the world. And, and, and you know, the Lord told us that these things were going to happen. There'd be wars, rumors, wars, there's going to be famines, there's going to be earthquakes. But they've ramped up. They've ramped up. Now, a lot of the reason they've ramped up is because we have access to information from all over the world now. We see it now. But even at that, as long as they've been keeping up with these things and you see this information, it's never been like this before. Uh-huh. Well, what does that tell you? That tells you God's at work to accomplish his plan. And his plan is to destroy this planet. And I'm going to tell you what, I can get in so much trouble but the, the people will not accept that. And it's just, it's written out in scripture and it's just plain as the nose on your face that that's going to happen here. It's going to be destroyed. And when you tell that to somebody, they can't perceive it, they can't receive it, they won't believe it, they don't want to hear it. Why? Jesus said it earlier, they don't know God. Amen? They don't know God, they don't know God's word. And we got to get the word out. It's time. It's time for revival. It's time for spiritual awakening. It's time for, for people to be saved because it's coming on us like a flood. It, I mean, just think in the last 20 years, the things that you have seen that you would have never dreamed you would see. Think about it. Just the last 20 years. It's remarkable. You could even go the last 10 years and the last five years I've seen stuff. I thought, oh my goodness. Yeah. And I thought, 
back in the 60s when I was stationed out in the, in the state of California, I mean, confusion, <coughs> that things were bad out then. It, looked, it, it wasn't even a, a, a blink about what it is now. Mm -hmm. Now, that, them people back then looked like choir, choir children compared to what you Amen. see now. And the arrogance of it and the boldness of it. That's that's the part that gets me, is the what used to be hidden in the in the back alleys in the darkness mm -hmm. is boldly in the light now. In the full main street now. And and now these sweet politicians we got, since they've become such a big group of people, create laws to cater to them. And that has caused mass confusion in our world. Because mm -hmm. a lot of people saying, well, if, if the government's good with it, I mean, it's got to be okay, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Amen. And so he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And in verse 9, he says, of sin, look at this, because they believe not on me. We already talked about that. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And you know, that's one of the things that uh, that they had to deal with. And, and does anybody know how many people Jesus presented himself to before he uh, ascended into heaven? You know the number? 500. Up to 500. There was 500 that saw him. He was on earth 40 days. And you never hear a peep about the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees ever, because he didn't, he didn't, they, they didn't see him. They thought he was dead and he left it that way. So he was only worried about those people that believed on him that he had chosen. He came and let them see him. Hallelujah. Isn't that something? And that's why I say when the, when the rapture takes place, his children are going to be the ones that see him. Mm -hmm. On that day, they're going to be the ones that see him. That's the man. They're going to see the results of him coming, but they're not going to see him. Amen? And, and so he says, he said, so they don't believe on me. The, the sin, that's what the greatest sin is. They do not believe. If they don't believe on him, there ain't no such thing as sin. Think about it. They don't believe on him. Well, do you ever think you'd see a time when the police were villainized and murderers were set free? Did you know in California, they don't even take lawbreakers to jail anymore? You know why? They got what they call catch and release now. They bring them in, don't do that again, and they walk out the door. No fine, no jail time, no nothing. Go right back out on the street and continue exactly what they got them arrested the first time for. They arrest them 50 times, they do it 50 times. Now you tell me that's not perverted and sick and ignorant. Right. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's bad in New York. And I saw where that mayor of New York got up and said, we are a sanctuary city. We welcome refugees. Well, when these governors of these conservative states started putting all them refugees on buses and shipping them to them. Now you ought to hear his speech. They killed us. What are we going to do? We can't do anything. They're bankrupting us. We can't take care of it. Duh. You want them? There they are. Yeah. And I thought when the governor started doing that, that was stupid. 
But now I see that it ain't so stupid. Them people are getting exactly what they wanted, but they wanted us to take care of it and not them. Now they got it, and they don't know what to do with it. And so the, the, the inner cities have become slums because of all of those people that are flooding in, and they don't know what to do with them. I remember when uh, 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 our governor sent a busload into Washington, they were met with a delegation. You people are welcome with us. You know what they done to them? They sent them away. They put them on another bus and shipped them off. <laughs> the hypocrisy. But anyway, he said, uh, and these people don't, I mean, they don't have a righteous cause. They think they do. But of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. A judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Amen. So the one that they really take uh, comfort in, which is Satan, worldliness, lust, lewdness. And we're going to see in Revelation what that looks like when we talk about the great whore that's in Revelation. That great whore is alive and well right now, mm -hmm. running rampant. Mm -hmm. And she <coughs> lures. She, she's a spirit that lures. There's a spirit of filthiness. There's a spirit of evil. There's a spirit of lust. There's a, a spirit of worldliness and godlessness that appeals to people because it brings them pleasure and the desires of their imagination. Okay? And that's what she does. That's what she does. And so this has been brought in, but, but what they don't know is when Jesus Christ dies, he won. Amen? He went down into the pit. He went down into the dungeon. He saw those people that had died in Noah's day. Amen? Peter tells us he did. Where he went? He went down there. Y'all listen to me. And has he gone to the Father? Yes. You know, he went to the Father before any of the rest of them ever saw him except Mary. You remember when he encountered Mary and she thought he was a gardener and she went to grab a hold of him. You know what? Remember what he said? Don't touch him. You remember why he said it? I have not been to my father yet. Well, the next time he shows up, he tells him, touch me. Uh -huh. Does the spirit, can you feel a, feel a spirit? Do you feel a ghost? Uh -huh. Amen. So what had happened between the time that Mary tried to hold him and he showed up again, what had happened? He had been to the father. Amen. He had been to the father. And boy, I got some, I got some great theories about that that I hope they're true. But I, I just know that he went, you know what he had to do? He presented his own blood because mm -hmm. he was the sacrifice, the lamb. And he, he presented his blood in heaven to the Father for the sins of the world. Mm -hmm. And that cool that he did that for us. And then when he shows up, that's him. Feel my hands. Man, here, feel here. It's, it's cool that when you see that. And so this is what Christ has done for us. And, and uh, we can't praise him enough. We cannot praise him enough. Amen. And so judgment came not only to this world, 
But to the prince, look here, this is where I, get, uh, I tell you all the time that he's called the prince of the world. This is where he's called the prince of the world. And judgment has come to the prince of the world that was given a cursed world. He caused it and it was given to him. That's why this world can't carry on. That's why the people of God will not inhabit this world. There's going to be a new one for us. Isn't that cool? And so this is what he's telling them of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say to you, but look at this, but you cannot bear them. Amen? They couldn't understand it right now. They couldn't bear them. They, they, he, he's already told them so much, and he's already told them when the comforter comes, you're going to remember these things. And they did. They did remember these things when the comforter came. And, and that's why they wrote them down for us. They weren't writing this when he was telling them this. John wasn't sitting in the garden of Gethsemane on the night that he's going to get arrested writing all this down. My goodness, how many hours would that take? So what happened? Later on, when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he remembered these words. And then he put a pen to them, just like the rest of them did. And so this is, this is what the Scripture is talking about. And said, I have many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Did you know, and we don't talk about this a whole lot, there are so many different levels of understanding of Christian people that you have to, that, that's why when we have Sunday school, most churches that have Sunday schools have so many classes because they have different levels of understanding. Paul says there's people who need milk and there's people who need meat. And you can't use meat to feed the one that needs the milk. And when you feed the one that needs meat, milk, it, it's boring to them, okay? And so there's, there's all these different levels of understanding and, and the Lord knows those things. And he said to them, right now, you can't bear these. Now look at this, I love this right here in verse 13. How be it when he, the spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth. This is the scripture that I quote y'all all the time. Underline it, circle it in your Bible. This is why it's imperative for us to have the Holy Spirit of God. This is why it's imperative for us to be filled with the Spirit. And it's imperative for us. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, you're, you're a weird Baptist preacher. You believe in one saved, always saved? I sure do. But I believe you can be filled with the Spirit many times. I believe that you, uh, you, I don't know about the rest of you, but I just don't feel too religious sometimes. Am I the only one that happens too? That's bad <laughs> when a preacher gets up and tells everybody don't feel religious. Amen? As long as we're human, we're going to be that way. That's human. That's, I, I just that's don't, human nature. Sometimes I just don't feel very religious. And so I have to rely on that power of the spirit of truth to guide me into the truth when I don't feel like hearing the truth. Uh -huh. You wouldn't believe how many times I have prayed and asked God, Lord, change this sermon. I don't want to preach this. I want, I want y'all to feel good today. And he wouldn't let me. Wouldn't give me nothing else. And if he had, I'd have made a mess out of it. If I had done it on my own, is what I'm talking about. Not if he had given it to me, it'd been fine. 
But he said, the spirit of truth has come. So truth is what we have to hear. Now listen to me. Unfiltered. Truth has got to be unfiltered. And it said, he will guide you into all truth. Now listen, he will not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you, listen to this, things to come. Okay. So when you're studying, I used to dismiss it as just my thinking. But as you study and you see things in the scripture, and all of a sudden the thing that didn't make any sense starts making some sense, guess who's doing that? <laughs> yes, the Holy Spirit. Because he's seeing that you're studying. He knows what you're studying. He knows what your questions are. And he's fixing to show you some things that are to come. He knows okay? where you're at. He knows where you're at and he knows what's coming. So he wants to sit. Now that don't mean he makes us a clairvoyant. Okay? I'm not a prophet either. But I do really believe that he shows us things as we study his word. That the Holy Spirit leads us into this truth. And he shows us things uh, that, uh, that are to come. That means future things that haven't happened yet, by the way. Okay. It's like he gives us an aha moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In my journals here, I've got the word wow in big letters with Princely every time he does this to me. And I see something, I'll just, wow, I can't believe this. And, and that, that I get to see this. Now, now look at this. Now, he, he's going to show you things. He's going to guide you in the truth. And look at this. While he's doing that, He's going to glorify Jesus in the process. Mm -hmm. In other words, he's not going to change the red letters of this Bible. He's going to show you the truth of the red letters of this Bible. He's going to show you the truth of Jesus' word. Why? Because Jesus told us we're going to be judged by his words. Amen? So the Holy Spirit is, to, is wanting to show you the words of Jesus Christ. He's going to glorify Jesus in, in that he's not going to ever change what Jesus has spoken. And y'all know the controversy in our world today that want to change it all. Redefine, redefinition is the term they use. We're redefining words. And, you know, every once in a while I do it myself. I'll go back and look at the Greek or the Hebrew word that a word in the King James Bible comes from. But if you're not careful with that, you'll change everything in it. You'll change it. You have to be very careful with that when you do that because a lot of times a word in our language will have multiple meanings. But in their language, like love, we know that there's different. Agape is the strongest love. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a love that you have that, like, that they say that's what God has for us. That's the strongest love. But they have other words that means that love is blessed. It's not about loving anymore. It's about liking or wanting. Or, and it turns into that. And so we have to be careful when we look at their words and try to redefine what's already written. And I tell people this all the time. People who try to do that saying, well, the Holy Ghost in whatever year they wrote the King James Bible and the other Bibles that were being written, the Holy Ghost then didn't know what he knows now. <laughs> And you ought to see their face when you tell them stuff like that. And, and I heard a, a man that's a great speaker, 
And, and he made the remark that he, he had access to so much more knowledge than they had back then. So when he read the scripture, he wanted one that had the words that he knew. That, that, that he would because of the great knowledge that he had. And I said, well, you hypocrite. You need the Holy Ghost. He'll show you what this word here means. Amen. I don't got to move on. And so he shall glorify me. And look at this. He shall receive of mine. What's that mine? My words. And what he, the, the, the Lord shows him. And he will do what with it? Show it to, show it to you. Amen. Isn't that cool? Don't tell me we don't need the Holy Spirit. It, we, we can stand up here. That man that made that dumb remark. Mm -hmm. and, and, and you know what? He's been to seminary. He's got all these degrees in Bible and theology and all this stuff. And to make a stupid remark like that. That we have access to so much more information. Well, the Holy Spirit's always had access to all of it. He's been educated above his level of intelligence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's been what is educated common sense got kicked out the window, didn't it, Jim? And so he shall glorify me and, and he's gonna show all these things to you. And all things that the Father hath are mine, therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. He's gonna take what I've given you and he's gonna show you what it means. He's gonna help you understand it. He's gonna glorify me. And, and you, the more you know about me, the more awe you're, you're going to feel. Because that, that's what glorifying Jesus is, is to be in awe of what he does. Amen? That's what it means. To glorify him is to be awestruck with him. You know, when a person asks you who's your hero, it ought to just pop out. He is. Who's he? Jesus. <laughs> He's a hero. Ain't nothing like him. Amen. He's a hero. And a little while, and you shall not see me. And again, a little while, and you shall see me, because I go to my Father. Now, this really blew their mind, blew their socks off. Or in a little while, this don't make any sense. Now, if just hanging there, it will. It will. It will make sense. Amen. You know, one of the things we need to worry, not to worry about, but to think about God, is the scripture uh, that, that uh, Jesus said, and I don't remember exactly where it's at. Yeah, I got it broke down right here. You know, people always want to know, well, what's God doing? Don't we see what's going on? What's he doing? And, and, and Jesus said this in, in John 5, 17, My Father worketh here hitherto, and I work. He don't never stop working. Never does. And everything that he's working at, and we can't see because so, some of the things that he's doing, he's allowing to happen, are evil things. Because it's taken us to an expected end. The end that he has said will come. We don't like to talk about these things, but it is. It's an end that is to come to this world. And an end that is to come to us when he comes and takes us out of this world, all hell is going to break loose on this world. Amen? And this, uh, uh, this is a, a, a beautiful picture of, of what, uh, what the Holy Spirit does for us. And uh, we're going to stop right here. Any questions or comments on this?
will be on chapter verse 17 on the 20th. <coughs> Anybody got anything on that? Take away? Say hogwash on? <laughs> okay. Thank God for the rain and the cooler temperature. We just take it. Don't forget about Saturday. Uh, the funeral, feeding the family. Don't forget that Friday night will be the visitation after funeral home if you want to go to that. And we'll keep that family and both of those families that we called out here tonight in prayer. And also Casey, remember her tomorrow. Sister Casey's gonna keep us in, in, informed. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. But Jean wife, would you dismiss us please? God most gracious Heavenly Father Lord, you're so good to us and Lord sometimes we just seem to turn our back on Lord, we love you. We love you here at Lake Columbia Church, and Lord, we thank you for the truth that's being preached and taught here, Lord. It's just a blessing in a, in, in a world, a terrible world of sin. I pray that you bless our service this Sunday, Lord, that each and every one of us will cleanse our hearts and come for, uh, to hear another portion of your word, Lord, that it might apply it to our lives and draw closer to you. Bless these, it's on the prayer list, Lord. Some need healing, some need comfort. Lord, you know which ones need what, and I pray if it be your will, Lord, you reach down and, and bless each one of them. I pray now that you're watching care over us as we go our way home. Give us traveling grace and bring us back Sunday with a renewed spirit. Lord, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.